teachers, we do, we do honor you. Uh, you know, it was, it was difficult for a long time. Now we're back in our classrooms, and it's a little easier to teach our kids. We have all the, all, all the things, uh, but for a long time, that was all portable, and uh, you, guys, you guys found it worthy. You guys found it worthy to invest in our children. We honor you for that. Uh, this place runs off of volunteers. If you don't know that, uh, we have a very, very limited staff. We don't spend a lot of, um, of our resources on, on staff. Almost everything is done through volunteers. Uh, for example, uh, in the past two weeks, we've had to uh, redo 340 seats and then also had to build 300 seats. And uh, you guys just showed up uh, last Wednesday, an army of volunteers showed up and in two hours knocked out 300 seats, set them all up, moved everything else out. Thank you all so, so, so much. You know, uh, we, we really do. I, if you don't know, it takes, there's probably, there's probably about 30 people here at 9 a.m. just making, making a service happen and doing things during the week. But, you know, for most of us, we show up and there's something that I do, uh, but you don't, often think about, well, this thing that I'm using, how did it get here? And uh, normally, the answer is one name, and he's going to hate me for this. Kenny Minnie. Kenny, yeah. will you stand up? I just want you all to see every week, this guy is running to Fort Worth, Abilene, somewhere, and getting all the things that you use here, and he's done it for years. Speaking of volunteers... Uh, you know, this is how we've, we've always worked, um, is through volunteers, and one of the families that helped us start this church um, had a massive tragedy. We all had a massive tragedy this week. Um, the Green family helped us start the church. They were one of my very first conversations when moving to Ranger, and uh, Cullen's not here today, and I don't have permission to say this. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, we had them over to my house. I went to a funeral, Ashley's grandmother. Uh, Ashley's cousin was one of my best friends growing up. And so I saw her at the funeral. And uh, she was one of my first conversations. I said, hey, you told them what we were going to do. I s I'd never met her husband. And so Colin and Ashley came over to my house and <sighs> told them we were going to start a church. And Colin said, well, we'll help you. But first I've got to ask you. What kind of music do you play? And is it okay if I drink? <laughs> he said, you got a problem with me drinking beer? What kind of music do you play? And so anyways, we introduced him to Dusty. And uh, I, said, I said, listen, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. It's, it's how you use it, buddy. And so he was like, I'm in, buddy. I'm in. And they've helped us. And I just, I cannot express to you, well, maybe I can. Let's try this. Colin Ashley, many of you, you're, you're new and you're like, man, there's something inside I'm not on. And I am sorry for you that you never got to meet her. I really am. Uh, but some of you say they are the reason I'm here. They're the ones who invited me. Or when I came, I met them and I got to go to their house. They invited me over. Or they were just friendly to me and they are one of the reasons that I'm here. If any of those three, if they invited you or possibly the reason that maybe you came but stayed here, would you stand up?
That was a that was a life worth living. We lost her a lot earlier than we wanted to, but she touched so many people. And our prayer, of course, is that she hears, "Well done, good and faithful servant." And she's she's fine today. She's fine. So we continue to lift up her. Um, her family, but we praise God for his faithfulness. So with this tragedy, okay, now what do I preach about? So some weeks ago, I, I ran through all of the Gospels. You know, the Bible's broken up into two sections. There's Old Testament and New Testament. And uh, Old Testament is, is God creating the world and choosing a people and promising that through these people a Messiah would come. And then he came, and that was Jesus. And that's the New Testament. And uh, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are uh, eyewitness accounts or firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus. And so I started looking through all four Gospels at the last week of Jesus, and I thought, what are the things that all of these Gospels, or at least the majority of these Gospels, emphasize in the last week of Jesus? And I wrote down 10 weeks worth of things that I wanted to go through just in the last week of Jesus. And today's is perfect. So this is it. Let me start by saying this. <clears throat> if I were going to start a religion, because at some point, like only one religion can trace all the way back to the beginning. And the others had to be started. You say, well, th- no, there's a scenario where all rivers lead to the same sea. The problem is every one of these has a mutually exclusive truth claim, Right? And they say, no, 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 we're the only one. And so anything that says I'm the only one, no, I'm the only one, can't, something has to be wrong about it, right? And so this is, I'm not degrading or, or, or downing anyone. I'm just saying a religion had to start at, at some point. And if I were going to start one, this would be my criteria. If I were going to start a religion, I would want to sell you by saying, first of all, things are going to get better. I would also tell you, if you do this, everyone will love you. And the third thing, and this is clutch, I would have to tell you, I'm not asking for much. Only a little. Now, Jesus did not start a religion. He was part of the prophecy of a religion that goes all the way to the beginning. And what he perpetuated was this. You will be persecuted until the world ends. You will be hated for doing good deeds. And I want all of you. So he didn't meet any of my criteria for what I would have done to start a religion. He asked for everything. We have to keep that in mind. This is not something that we just believe out of convenience. It's easy to think that. It's easy for the world to think that. Oh, their friend passed away, and so they think that this is going to be comforting, and this is why they believe it. No, because for the rest of, for, for the rest of your breathing days on this earth, God will ask for everything you've got. It will not always be convenient. In fact, in your time here, <laughs> now it will lead to peace, but much of that will come through trial. Jesus told us that we would be persecuted. He told us it would be hard. He told us, I want all of you, even the things you don't want to give up. 
going to be in Matthew chapter 24 today. Uh, there's, there's two kind of mountain type sermons that Jesus preaches. One is in Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to call that the Sermon on the Mount. And the other one is this passage that we're going to call the Olivet Discourse. I could preach on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Today for many of you you will say this is the most interesting thing you've ever heard me talk about. If I can keep your attention, and I think that the topic will keep your attention. I have nothing on stage with me today because I don't want to distract from what this is saying. This is important, uh, and I've never, no, one time I glanced on this. In in seven years, almost seven years, this will be the first time we've had a full sermon dedicated to this topic. Matthew 24, 1 through 2. All the scripture will be on the screen. Please follow me. I will move quickly. You have notes, by the way. You will want to take them today. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. Jesus is walking out of the temple with his disciples. And we know from this account in Matthew, also in Luke. Uh, In Luke, we also have this exact same speech he gives to his disciples that is recorded. There are some tweaks. I'll talk about it in a moment. But he walks out (coughs) and we know specifically he's talking about the temple. He tells his disciples none of this will remain. Now he's looking at a temple with blocks that weigh hundreds of tons, (laughs) not hundreds of pounds. It is one of the ancient marvels of the world and for him to say that these blocks will not remain on top of one another is absurd. But we know from history that in AD 70 there was an insurrection and Rome came to deal with the Jews as happens all throughout history. They killed we believe about 1.4 million Jews and burned the place down when they do and there's many versions of this story but the most popular and we believe to be accurate is that as the temple burned uh, all the artifacts in the temple burned the gold got in between many of the rocks and the people came and pulled them all apart so that they could dig out the gold. Not one stone was left on top of another in this temple just as Jesus said it would happen. Jesus is prophesying at this point which he is still in the 30s we don't know maybe 29 AD this happened maybe 33 AD this happened. We're not quite sure actually if Jesus was born at zero when we originally thought or possibly about 4 BC okay. Not sure so this is either 29 or 33 AD he's predicting the destruction of the temple that will happen in 70 AD which is a well documented thing. Okay, and it happens. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and that is what you are. Jesus is saying this is going to go away. But don't worry, the temple's not going to go away. Because I am now going to make you the temple. This was an enormous teaching and so the kind of the cat's out of the bag the Holy Spirit is no longer just in the holy holy of temples the curtain that separates the holy of holies the inner sanctuary the the inner sanctuary of the temple 
is ripped from top to bottom. It's about 40 foot tall. It is extremely thick. It's ripped from top to bottom. The Holy Spirit no longer dwells in the temple, in the structure of stones. It now dwells in the temple, the structure of stones that we are as we comprise the temple. This is a massive teaching and a huge point, and they hated Jesus for this. It was a very sacred place to them, and God, you know, Jesus is like, you don't understand. It's sacred because God's in it. And so I would say th- the same thing about you and your body. It's sacred. Why? Because you're awesome? You're awesome, but God's in it. Like you are the temple and, and the Lord is there. Now we have to keep going. Uh, let's go to verse 3. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him and privately said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Yes, we're about to talk about the end of the age. It's called eschatology. Uh, we're we're going to talk just a little bit about end times. But first I need to explain something. The Olivet Discourse, this, this lecture from Jesus to his disciples is found here in Matthew chapter 24, but it's also found in Luke chapter 21. If you go home and study this, there's something you need to understand. In Matthew chapter 24, we have, tell us, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're asking about the second coming of Jesus because this was all prophesied. They weren't sure back then if there was going to be two messiahs or one messiah was coming twice, right? It's hard to see a lot of prophecy in the Bible happen in foresight because you're not sure how it's going to happen. That's why Revelation has been difficult. We only see it in 2020 in hindsight or as it's happening. But I can't tell you exactly how some of the things that will happen will happen. And that's the same way that we had here. They were like, all right, how is this going to go down? But if you go to Luke, they actually ask a different question. Luke chapter 21 verse 7, they say, teacher, they asked him, so when will these things happen and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And so in Matthew, we're going to see an emphasis on the second coming and in Luke, it's going to be an emphasis on the destruction of the temple that will happen in A.D. 70. It was all the future for them, okay? But for you, in 2023, it's very different, okay? So I'm going to read out of Matthew today, and I want you to go home and study. I want you to go home and fact check me. I want you to check all of these things. But here's the questions they ask. When will this happen? What is the sign of your coming? What is the sign of the end of the age? Okay? That's what we're going, that's what we're addressing. That's what Jesus is about to address. Matthew 24, verse 4. Jesus replied to them. His first reply is actually going to be addressing a question that they didn't ask. Here's the question we're about to answer. What isn't a sign? That's what he's about to answer. Okay, here we go. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Watch out that no one deceives you. Church, when you talk about the end times, when you talk about eschatology, when we talk about revelation, when we talk about things that are yet to come, teaching gets a little wild. 
Teaching gets a lot wild. In fact, I would encourage you, some of you already have your mind made up about how Jesus will come back. And I'm going to give you a statement. I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to give you a statement. If you have not studied Revelation, if you have not studied Isaiah, if you have not studied Daniel, and if you have not studied the Olivet Discourse, you have no idea. You're only going on what someone else told you. And so here's my advice to you. Okay, because we've got things and we're married to it. I saw left behind. I know how it's going to go down. <laughs> a lot of that, I think, is, is very accurate. Some of it, maybe not so much. But uh, here's, here's, people get wild in this. So let me give you a couple things. Um, one, careful. Just be careful. Don't marry into an idea before you've really studied it. Okay? Uh, a TikTok video doesn't make you an expert. On anything for this matter. <laughs> Secondly, go verse by verse. Go verse by verse. Take a whole passage in its entirety. And this is going to be with anything in Scripture. Take a whole passage in its entirety, okay? I, I could bring up a lock in here with only four numbers, it, you know, and it starts at zero, 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 right? Your combination lock. You know how many possibilities there are just in those four numbers? There are 10,000 possible combinations for that lock. So when we go through all the scripture, we pull this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse, we can get thousands of interpretations of what's going to happen. Don't do that. Don't steal a word. Don't steal a verse. Take the passage in its entirety. The third thing is stay grounded. In other words, you will see things and you'll go, I bet... And then base an entire religion off of it. <laughs> stay, stay grounded. Stay grounded. Take, when you read the Bible, try to use the most natural reading when at all possible. Don't get weird with things. It's weird enough as it is. That's my advice. Here's the second thing I want to say. Jesus said, don't be deceived. Many will come in my name. Why are people copying Jesus so much? And I, why, why haven't we had the second coming of Confucius? Man, I remember first coming into, in, into the faith and, and everybody was like, yeah, there's a guy in Mexico everybody think might be Jesus and they're following him. And then we had our whole Waco episode and we just, everybody's copying Jesus. Why? Who do you think Satan's going to copy? He wants to distract you from the OG Original God in this case. <laughs> he wants to distract you from Jesus. He didn't need to distract you from a false religion. Interesting. So, many are deceived, so know your word. This is for us to know. And the last thing that I will say is this. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. It's probably the only time you'll hear me use the word Antichrist today. The Antichrist will be a popular figure. He will deceive many, including us, if we do not know our scripture very well. He's going to do some very good things until he doesn't. Verse 6, let's keep going. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Listen, every time... We have a new thing in our world. Every social media scholar gets on and starts predicting the end. 
careful with that. There will be war. There will be rumor of war. There will be life. Sin has entered into the world and there will be sin. There will be the consequence of human action. It's just going to happen. Okay, but in verse 6 he says, not every war is the end. Some are. He says some things must happen. At some point, at some point it will be that war. It will be the end. <clears throat> and when it happens, and take this, take this, listen to me, because you can extrapolate this to other things. When it happens, it won't be fun. And we will pray, God, don't let this happen. But it will happen because he told us it would happen. So we have to know our scripture so that we understand and we're not angry with God that something is happening that he told us would happen, but we're angry that he won't take it away. Does that make sense? At some point, things are going to get wild. He says, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. So not every war, not every skirmish is going to be it. But there are going to be nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. What does that look like? I'm going to tell you that looks a little bit like what we call World War I or World War II. It's going to look like many coming against one another. There are going to be political powers that are coming against each other. This is just the wordage that is used when this is written. There are things that have to happen before the end will come. And most all of those things revolve around the nation of Israel. Do you know what happened right around the time of World War I and World War II? Because they were pretty close together in the span of things. For the first time since the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70, Israel became a nation again. That had to happen before the end could come. And it is probably not a coincidence that this was wrapped up in two world wars. Now hang on before you, before you call me crazy. A lot of things will revolve around Israel. I will tell you from what I have read, Israel has to be a nation again, which already has happened and they will have to rebuild their temple. They will have to rebuild their temple and funding is underway for that. I'm not predicting the future and nobody's walking out of here in a tin full hat, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you that obviously every day we're getting closer. Things are beginning to happen and Jesus wanted us to know. In his last week, he tells us in pretty good detail things are going to go down. Okay, when that temple is built, from my understanding, you can pretty well start the clock. In the book of Daniel, we are told that there are going to be 70 groups of 70. That's 490 years, if my math is right. 69 groups of 70 have taken place, and we got to Jesus. And from that point, we have what Jesus called the church age, or the age of the Gentiles. That is when the non-Jews, just like us, stepped in and began to minister to Israel, began to perpetuate the teachings of Jesus, begin to bring that to the world. And now when we bring the Jews to a great point of jealousy, 
Because there will be a revival at the very end for them. They will get a temple and you can start the clock on the last seven years. Now, we're going to relook, we're going to look for that temple. We're going to look for a reshaping of political climate. We're going to look for, at some point, there to be a great coming back of, of the nation of Israel. But he says more than just that, right? He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. Don't worry about that. It's when you see nation rise against nation, kingdom rise against na- uh, kingdom. That's when things are going down. But what did he also say? He said that there would be famines, there would be earthquakes. Luke adds there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven and plagues. That one hits home, does it not? We've gone through quite a few plagues, uh, but we are still in this weird deal with COVID. Why did this happen? And we can begin to explain all of these things. Well, in a certain place, there is a laboratory called the Coronavirus Laboratory, and we think we know where this began. Just because you can explain it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't tell you it was coming. Well, it said that earthquakes would increase and they would increase in volume and magnitude from what we understand. And that is happening. Hey, listen, I know earthquakes have, have risen over 40% in Oklahoma and in, you know, in, in other parts around us. But maybe that's from fracking. I just hit a nerve with some of y'all. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe that's from fracking. Just because you can explain it doesn't mean he didn't tell you it was coming. These are just the beginning of things. Well, we had a shortage of wheat for the first time in our lives that we've ever seen, but that's because there was a war. Just because you can explain it doesn't mean they didn't tell you it was coming. So are these things part of it? I don't know, uh, but here's what I will tell you. Matthew chapter 24, four verse 8 says this, All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Now, I have four kids. Uh, My wife delivered three of those, and I have not experienced labor pains myself. However, I did get commissioned by the doctor to watch the contractions, which is kind of the same thing as the doctor pulling us to the side going, hey, moron, here's a coloring sheet. Stay busy. (laughs) But I watched. I did my job. I knew the assignment and I did it well. And here's the thing about labor pains. They start out light. They did to me. I didn't feel a thing. They start out light and they get worse and they get closer together. And so you say, well, some of these things may have been, some of these things may not have been. I don't know. I'm not telling you. Some of that's just above my pay grade. I am telling you that we are seeing almost every single thing that he would happen begin to increase. And it is, it is logical to say that these are the beginning of labor pains. How long will it go on? No one knows that. 
The Bible makes it really clear. Jesus says that no man will know the day or the hour. He tells us to watch for the return of the Messiah because we don't know. I do think it's interesting he says day or hour. He doesn't say year. So we're going to have a pretty good clue if we're in on our Bible as we watch things unfold. I think eventually we'll go, okay, any day now. What I can tell you from my own study, and you have got to study this yourself, is uh, I do think that we are seeing some of these contractions. I th think we're seeing some of these labor pains, or if you read the King James Version, labor pangs. Some of y'all, you, you young guys need to use that. When this happens to you, tell your wife, are you having a pang? Because in those moments, your wife will have outstanding sense of humor. It is, it's a blast. <laughs> Anyways, um, it is logical deduce, to deduce that, okay, we're maybe beginning to see uh, the beginning of some of these contractions. Maybe we're beginning to see some of these labor pains. We are watching with a, a hopeful eye. I did not say a fearful eye. I say we're watching with a hopeful eye, seeing if some of these contractions get worse, seeing if they get closer together. My job as a pastor, even a, if you want to say prophecy that I may speak to you, is to say, here's the Bible, thus saith the Lord. If the Lord gives me something and, and I'm going to predict the future for you, oh man, you will notice that I'm sweating bullets. Because typically when people start doing that, they're just drawing attention to themselves, okay? Uh, that's how prophecy originally happened because it had never been written yet. But now that it's been written down, our job is to say, here's what God has for you out of his word today, right? So nobody's in here predicting the future, saying any of those things. We've got to read and know and study. And here's the reason. As I read this, I've not taught this really to you in great detail before. I hit on it just in one, uh, one message before a couple years ago. Uh, but I haven't taught it to you before because I am so careful to do this because there's so much wild teaching out there. I don't want you to write me off as a quack. But as I was reading, I thought Jesus found this important enough to dedicate just large sections of many of the Gospels. So it's worth bringing out. I'm only touching just a hint of this today. There's actually large sections of this. It's for you to study. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. My job is to tell you to watch for these labor pains, to watch for these things that will happen. Don't freak out because not every skirmish, not every war, not every earthquake, not every tremble, not every disease is part of the end. It doesn't mean that the world is going to end tomorrow. That's not what we're saying. I'm saying you as a Christian if we are in the beginning of labor pains and the labor pains get worse and you as a Christian praying for those things to go away and they won't because he told us that they were coming are going to be very frustrated if you haven't familiarized yourself with what's coming will it come in your life I don't know I have my guesses Here's what I can tell you with semi-confidence. It's going to happen sometime. It won't be tomorrow. I mean, the temple's not built yet. There's some other things that, I, I mean, some, there's going to have to be a little bit of political rearranging that we know of from Daniel and from Revelation. There's going to be some rearranging that's going to happen to go first. So can it happen soon? It can happen soon for sure. Will it happen tomorrow? Probably not tomorrow. But 
we do think many are watching this and saying we are seeing the beginning or at least we are somewhere in labor pains. Here's the thing that I also noticed about counting my wife's contractions. It doesn't go back to normal. The doctor doesn't give you a Tylenol and say, hopefully we can get these to go away. Once the labor pains begin, the inevitable is labor. But you know what labor brings? Yeah, a baby, a new life. I, for one, have been thinking lately, that sounds kind of good. This is not my suicide note to you. I don't want to be gone. I have things to do here, and God has given me great purpose, and I have a good life. But man, I'm okay with going to heaven. I am okay with going to heaven right now. New life is coming. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we serve a father who is bringing this. And I don't bring this out a bunch. And I need to talk about it more. But we have a hope well beyond this world. We have a heritage. We have a heritage of Christians who smilingly face death because they said, Oh, death, where is your sting? What can you do to me? Send me to meet my father? <laughs> okay. It's all right. See, they didn't get to be nominal Christians. Many of our brothers and sisters overseas don't either. When they signed up, they knew what they were signing up for. They signed up to die. May not be today, may not be tomorrow may die of natural causes, but my full expectation as an early Christian is that I will be persecuted, and your expectation should be no different. But Jesus says that he will comfort you. He will walk with you through it. He did not say that pains would not come. In fact, he told us they will definitely come. Pain will definitely be here. And church, if you anticipate that, if you look for that, know that once those pains come, things aren't going back to normal. New life is coming. So the kingdom of God is here, but it is not yet in full. It is already coming. Many of the things, listen, there is prophecy all through the scripture about Jesus and he fulfilled every one of them. It was a complete mathematical impossibility. But did you know that many other things were prophesied? And many of those have already happened. Many of those possibly we're watching happen right now. But we have no reason to think that it won't. We have a hope. So if you walked in here a little discouraged today, you have a hope this is not something that we believe out of convenience. Christianity is not a convenient religion. God wants you to do some really hard things. He wants you to abstain until you're married. That's enough right there. That's plenty hard. God wants you to mine your temper, self-control, not take revenge for yourself and give it to him. This is not a religion of convenience. There's plenty hard things to do here. But he said, I go ahead of you to prepare a mansion, to prepare a place for you. And we take hope in that.
Because you may walk in here kind of exhausted with how this world is going for you. And I get that. It's been a week. But this ain't your home. This ain't your end. This ain't where it's over. You're just at work. You're an ambassador in a foreign land and we're not yet home. We live under the authority of the king. We live under the rules of the king. We live under the protection of the king. We live under the peaceful teaching that he's going to give you that is going to bring you peace and make you have a life that others look and want. But we're not yet with the king. So we are already in the kingdom, but we're not yet in the kingdom. We're already, but we're not yet. His teachings will bring you peace today, will bring you life today. How can you say that after this week? <laughs> Man, if you could just have my job for a week. In fact, how about we just all be human for just a moment? Have you got any problems? Have you had any problems? Let me ask you this. Were you following the teachings of Jesus to get to those problems? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> now, can you be following the teachings of Jesus and have problems? Yes, but it is totally different. And that's the life that he tells us he's going to bring. He promised peace to his very disciples that were beheaded. Yes, you can have peace in that. You can be William Tyndall. You can be uh, Joan of Arc. You can be any of these who knew the Father, burned at the stake, beheaded, hung, whatever, and still have peace. Because you know that this is not your home. In conclusion, Luke 21, 34 through 36. You're like, no, you there's so much more prophecy in that section. Yeah, there is. And I started to give you some resources today. But here's, I, okay, before I finish, before I finish. I want you to be familiar with what is prophesied. I want you to be familiar with, with Daniel, with Revelation, with Zechariah, with Isaiah. I mean, it's the whole Bible. The whole Bible points to Revelation. The whole Bible points to Jesus and to Revelation. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Nobody could have come up with this. And I have resources, and I can help you study all those things, and, and that's great. We can have that conversation, but beware. My first question is going to be, have you read it for yourself? Listen, it's good to take help. I listen to other pastors. I read commentaries. I have all of these things that I do and that I study, but I always try to read it and get everything that I can get out of it myself first. <laughs> Don't be duped. You're like, well, what about you? I'm listening to you. If I'm contradicting the word of God, go with the word. Dude, every time. Every time. We've got to go with the scripture. So, yeah, if you want to have a conversation about, about that, man, today I'm going to be trying to meet and love on people. Call me during the week. Message us, whatever. I've got resources for you. But the first question is that. Have you read it yourself? Because I want you to know. You can get this stuff. You can study, man. You got this. I promise. I can show you. You can hear from God on the daily through his word. I only got one amen. You can hear from God on the daily through his word. 
through your time in prayer. Thank you very much. Okay, okay. In conclusion, Luke 21, 34 through 36. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and worries of life. Or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. Why are you talking about this, preacher? You don't even like to talk about this stuff. Because I don't want you to be surprised. For it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I don't know when it's coming, but Jesus is coming back. You may live to see him come back in the clouds, and you may, you may be here to see him bring the dead in Christ first. I don't know. But here's what I do know. The fact that you were born tells me you're headed for an end. <laughs> One way or the other. And I want you to have peace. I closed last week with saying this. Our fear is not the end. Our fear is that we get to the end having wasted the process. God has work for you to do. We got some good work going on this morning. Where's my, where's my man? Come on. We got, a, we got a man preaching us a message today. Raheem, I need you up here, buddy. But God has work for you to do. And he doesn't want you to wait. And I know that the lie that Satan gives us is you've got time. You've got time. You've got time. Let me tell you. I grew up, when I was really young, we went to church, and I could remember going to churches, and I was a little boy, and people were scaring me. They were trying to scare me into heaven. You might die tomorrow. You better get saved. I don't do that. I don't think that works. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, and we do need to have an understanding that there is a brevity to life. However, Here's what I want to motivate you. If you wait to the end before you come to Jesus, what did you miss out on? Do you understand that there are people in your life whose eternity is going to change because of your witness into their lives? Do you understand that there are families who will never have to go through what their father's generation went through because you will introduce them to the peaceful teachings of Jesus? Do you understand that your children will statistically not accept Jesus if you don't show it to them in their home while they're young? What will you miss if you get to the end before you surrender? Because if you think it's going to be easier to surrender some other day than now, you're so wrong. That's like saying my load will get lighter once you stack more bricks on it. Got some chuckles, but no amen. It's not getting any easier than today to give everything to Jesus. And to preach that sermon, I have a young man. Come on, bring it on. Yes. Okay. So as you know, this is my boy Isaiah. Um, I was talking to him at youth group one day, and he was talking about he wanted to be baptized. And I, I then began to talk to him and some other friends, um, and I said that 
do you acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner? Yes. And I was like, okay, so the fact that you're a sinner drowning in sin, that means you need a savior, correct? Yes. And so then I began to ask him, do you accept Jesus Christ as your savior? Yes. And so in front of your family, you just admitted that. Congratulations, Isaiah. You accepted. Worship team, if y'all go ahead and come up. Sit down. All righty, Isaiah. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Proud, so proud of Isaiah. Isaiah, heck of a lot better sermon than mine today, buddy. Good job. Hey, the, uh, some people are going to come up with baskets. Part, uh, tithing is part of the way that we uh, worship in this place, so that's the appropriate place to put your tithe and offerings. But also, um, you were given a connection card. Man, drop that in there. We want to be praying for you. Uh, we want to walk with you through whatever it is that uh, you are in, whatever season of life you're in. We would, we would love to, to walk with you and just minister um, and just, just minister to you. Uh, I know many of you have asked, how can I help? We are going to have a funeral in here, uh, in, in this building for Ashley Green uh, this Wednesday at 2 o'clock. We will be feeding the family and could use some help with that. If you have that time available if you could write that on your connection card as well and drop that in. Uh, but put those in. But best case scenario for us, we have a prayer team. Prayer team, I want you to go ahead and come to the front. Uh, we have a prayer team, and they're going to they're gonna be here. Uh, they'll be standing right here on the steps when this is all over. Uh, if you would like someone to pray with you, man, during worship, you can come up and pray with us. Or when service is over, come up and pray with you. We would love to do that. But please stand and worship with us.